Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. My name is Iman. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, all of that good stuff. And I am joined by Oren. Oren, what is up? What is up? You know, just getting through the end of the season, struggling along with these Raptors, um, taking it day by day, game by game, just like them, you know? Uh, yeah, you know what? If you live and die by these games at this point, um, RIP to you. That's my mistake. Uh, You're right. That, that's my. I was trying to say earlier, like, I... I gave up on the team, but then after the portal trade, I bought back in a little bit. And then this road trip has uh, caused me my second giving up on the team. So I was living and dying a little bit there, and it was not good for my mental health. I mean, I'm a hypocrite because uh, I was living and dying yeah. with this team as we well. But um, the Yaka portal trade, I mean, it's one obviously that lots of people had been calling for for a really long time and I bought in entirely and I th still think and we'll dig into some of the numbers that there are some reasons to buy in but my gosh if that Lakers if you still believe in this team after that Lakers loss sending you my condolences my thoughts and my prayers because I'm not sure there's anything else we can do but you know what let's let's at least let's let's take a step back and let's look at the NBA as a whole because I think we sometimes get too lost in what the Raptors look like and it's because it's a team that we love. It's a team that we follow. But there is a trend in the NBA. There is a trend towards really potent offenses. And even this Raptors team that was supposed to be this gritty defense that, you know, got stops for 48 minutes. And that's how they were going to grind out in games. have actually been winning that way. And <laughs> their offensive rating for the entirety of the year has been better than their defensive rating. Even with Pirtle back in, that sort of changed a little bit. But still, the way that this team is built, they're good when their offense is just decent. Um, and so you wrote a piece for The Guardian that I want to talk a little bit about. You talked about NBA offenses and how much they've changed just even recently, right? You mentioned in that piece, I'll let you speak to it, but you mentioned in that piece that that Warriors offense with KD and, and Stephen Curry, which was you know the greatest offense of all time, would be like, what would you say, top 10, was it? It was 10th, and actually at the time I wrote it, the Raptors were 10th. So mm. the Raptors had the same offense as the KD Steph Warriors. I mean, I see no difference. <laughs> <laughs> I see no difference between those two teams. Yeah. So what uh, I, you talk about in your piece, but I, I'd like to get you to speak on it here as well. What do you think you would equate that to? The fact that, I mean, you have two of the greatest offensive players, you know, period, in basketball and Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant. And now you have a team that, struggles and yet still we're talking about a similar or the same offensive rating at that point what do you think has changed in the league to make this shift yeah I think it's a lot of things I think teams are just getting smarter and this is a lot of like analytical stuff you know analytical people going into front offices changing the shot profile so 
teams are shooting way more threes, way more stuff at the rim. I think players are way more skilled than they used to be, especially bench players. Like you used to ask bench players in a lot of cases to do one thing, like specialists existed in the NBA. I don't think they really do anymore. Like if you can only shoot threes and you can't play defense, you don't even really have a spot in the league anymore. So bench players are asked to shoot threes, put the ball on the floor, make plays, play defense. Uh, So the skill has just increased a ton. The shot profile has gotten a lot more efficient. And then, and then when I got into the piece was like with that increase in skill and everything, the NBA has failed to kind of adjust and, and, benefit defenses in the sense of at the same time that this skill increase is happening um fouls are rising more than ever because if you touch someone on the perimeter it's a foul now there's there's really no contact allowed in the perimeter and so there's basically like this weird thing that's happening where defenses are in an impossible situation they can't stop these skilled guys from getting to the rim and, and therefore either you foul them and send them a free throw line free throws are up like uh highest since like 2000 or you just let them score and that's what we're seeing in the nba and uh, that's what we're seeing from the raptors too and i know we'll get into it but the raptors defense is predicated on aggression it's predicated on physicality i think that's why they brought a bunch of six nine guys into the field they they absolutely have this belief that you foul all game. Those fouls are going to stop being called towards the end kind of thing. They've spoken about it. Other teams have spoken about it for the Raptors. And that's just not the reality. And I think we'll get into this again with the Fred Van Vliet comments. I think the Raptors are really frustrated with the way they've been officiated this season, dating back to the Philadelphia series last season. They have this aggressive defense, but they're not being allowed to play it to the style they want to because uh, the NBA is encouraging offensive flow and not defensive aggression. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's incredibly well said. And you did put in your piece that, you know, uh, Boston, who who leads the league in defense right now, would be what the worst defensive rating to have ever led the league. And I was looking at the numbers this morning and the teams that are top seven in defensive rating in the NBA are five of those are also in the top seven in personal fouls calls. <laughs> like just the mm. numbers sort of bear that out that the teams that are still the best defenses play that aggressive style. And so they are going to get called for a lot of fouls, which is why you're going to see um, not so high of a defensive rating, but also it, 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 it's interesting that the numbers bear it out and it's pretty clean and clear to see that your best defenses are also the teams that foul the most and the Washington wizards for whatever reason. <laughs> But uh, so no, I think I think what you talked about and you touched on it already that and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because a lot of focus this season has been on what this Raptors team looks like, what the build is in the offseason. There will be three players that will be unrestricted free agents. And so right now, and I wrote about this as well, I think what the front office is looking at, what the front office should be looking at is, is this a team that you believe in? Is this a team that you can build? Is this a structure that makes sense together? And a year ago, I wrote a piece thinking, yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of changed a little bit um, because, for one, we realize that you need a center. And two, I think we, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. You need a point guard. But um, you can't just have a bunch of guys that are 6'9", but also in a league where offense is the star, offense is the show, right? The NBA makes rules. They they made rules like the hand-checking rule um, where and they, they apparently made the rip-through rule, but they're still calling that the opposite way. So defenses continue to get dinged, whereas offenses 
continue to sort of thrive in this new NBA. So if you step back and look at it, does this Raptors roster make sense considering we're building a team predicated on being good defensively and being kind of meh on the offensive end? What are your thoughts on something like that? It's a really good question. I wish I had a stronger opinion on it because obviously since the Pirtle trade, there's been a lot of talk about this Pascal, Scotty, Pirtle front court. None of them are good three-point shooters. Can that spacing work in the modern NBA? And I wish I had a strong opinion. I know a lot of people do. I need to see a little bit more before I can say definitively like, yes, this can work or no, it can't. Um, We can get into like, the, the starting lineup with Pirtle has been great. It's been great offensively, uh, 123 uh, points per 100 possessions. It's like okay. a great offensive rating. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think, first of all, this playoffs will be a really big factor to, to my kind of opinion on it because there are these teams like Dallas and the Kings yeah. who are just offensive teams. We've really never seen this before. Teams going all in on just offense and no yeah. defense. And like, I'm curious to see if those teams can win a playoff series, win two playoff series, because if they can, then it looks pretty bad on the Raptors idea of let's go all in on length and defense. If it proves out that at the end of the day, defense still wins championships, which I think it probably will, honestly, um, even Denver is an offensive oriented team. So I'd be curious. If I was going to mention it. Like the, if we look in the Western conference, the vast majority of those teams, and I was going to bring that up are like their offensive potent teams. That's what the West yeah. is deciding to sort of build. And it's like the That's East true. has your Milwaukee's and your Cleveland's and your Boston's, but the West doesn't really. It's true. But then you look at Milwaukee and that this is again, why I'm so hard to have a strong take on it. What if Milwaukee yeah. steamrolls through the league, wins a championship and who's their front court? It's Brooke Lopez. It's Bobby Portis. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's not a whole lot of three point shooting. Like yeah. Brooke is obviously a great shooter, but like they, they play a lot. Game of one. I'm still reeling over that. I haven't gotten over it. Taking game one away from us yeah. in the conference finals. Even Jay Crowder, not a very yeah. good three-point shooter. They are they are a defensive-oriented team. So if they win the championship, um, then I think it looks a little bit better on the Raptors in the sense yeah. of you can build this team out of defense no matter what the, the modern NBA regular season kind of says. We also know that officiating cracks down a little bit in the playoffs in the sense of more physicality is allowed. And defense can can play a little bit more to their strengths without getting called as much. So, yeah, I don't I don't really know if the Raptors kind of big three front court is viable long term in the modern NBA, especially with the three point shooting that's now required. I will say this, though, like I'm pretty sure that this starting five is not winning you a championship in the sense of. If you have three front court players who aren't good three point shooters, yeah. your two back court players better be knock down movement shooters. And Fred's three point shot has fallen off a cliff this season. And OG has just never been like a movement aggressive, going to take 10 threes a game type of guy. Maybe he becomes that, um, but maybe not. So, so that's kind of where I'm at with the Raptors. Yeah, I think with OG, it's really it's really interesting because I think even if we break down those numbers, the vast majority of the three-point shots that he does take, his shot diet is entirely 
in the corners. Um, and they're almost entirely catch and shoot opportunities. So when we're talking about two movement shooters, you can kind of shoot from anywhere. It's probably not going to be that, which is really interesting. And I think to even look at this Raptors team outside of even the, the three core players that we're talking about there, when you look at the bench and it's like, oh, it's more of the same <laughs> um, as the starters. I think that's where the Raptors sort of get into. Well, there's, there's not a lot that you can do to throw different looks. And I talk about, you know, we we talk about versatility in this way where it's like, can you guard one through five? But versatility is more malleability. Can you go big? Can you go small? Can you put out shooters when you need, like, can you, do you have different looks that you can throw at teams in order to match them there? And that's something that the Raptors just don't have because it's impossible to have that with every single person being the exact same size <laughs> and holding the same skill set. Yeah, that's true. I, I will say like, to the Raptors front office's credit, uh, mm-hmm. they have done some stuff to make them more versatile. Bringing in Pirtle made them a whole lot more yes. versatile. Uh, even a guy like Will Barton, who I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't even like the fact that he's in the rotation, but he's another shooter. You can now have more shooters coming off the bench. Coloco's now up from the G League. I, I I think we might see him at the back of five and, and Precious kind of playing the four off the bench. So they are bringing in more and more players with these malleable skill sets, but a lot of them are really young and a lot of them just aren't consistent. So I don't think they've reached by any means like a final evolution of the team. Um, But I do think they are bringing in more talent that is working its way there. Like I'm not nearly as down on the Raptors as a lot of people. I think honestly, they, I I believe in the talent. I believe in the talent a week ago. Yeah. No, like this season is over (laughs) for all intents and purposes, but, but next season, like, they there's a real path for them to reshape the roster a little bit and i just believe in the talent there's so much talent on this team even if the fit issues are not clean and i i completely agree with that as a premise uh you know i joke about the lakers game breaking me kind of it didn't really break me but um uh, the way that i sort of look at this team and the way that i kind of came into this season even when they started off pretty they had a pretty bad start as well. It was just like, if you're not going to win a championship in any given year, it's okay to face adversity. Like, I think the Raptors looking at what they have and saying, and it and it being tested to its limits has forced the front office to, one, make those changes. Bringing in a Will Barton, bringing in a Jakob Pertl. It's forced them to sort of make these decisions. And, you know, it's similar to, and I, I likened it to, like, bringing in Damari Carroll because you needed uh, some per- perimeter defense and you needed some shooting. Right? similar to bringing in PJ Tucker and Sergi Baca because you realize you need to stretch four in those situations. And so, yeah, like it's it's one year that they kind of have to bring in all of these pieces. But I think looking at where your holes are, whether it happens in the playoffs or it happens in the regular season for you, like it's done with this team, is important in terms of like figuring out if this core with Fred Van Vliet and with Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes and, and Jakob Pertl makes sense or it doesn't. Yeah. And I want to say about the Pertle trade, because I keep seeing people go, I can't believe they bought at the deadline. Like there's this idea of buying versus selling at the deadline. I think we need to like kind of change those ideas in our head because they obviously didn't buy Pertle just for this season. They bought Pertle because they needed a, a, at the end of the day, they needed a starting center some way long-term and they they marked Pertle as their guy. And I just don't know how you can look at that trade. Look at how well Pertle's played. Look at how well he's even fit with the starters and be like, oh, my God, this front office is cooked, which is yeah. the general sentiment. It's like, to me, I understand there's fit issues and, and I'm not sure if it's going to work long term. But Pirtle on itself, a first round pick for Pirtle, he's been amazing since becoming a Raptor, like a legitimately top 
I don't know, 12 center in the league. Like he's playing yeah. at such a high level that I just can't be that mad about it. And I, I you know, I, I said this and I, I wrote about this as well. Like to me, it, I agree with you entirely about it's not about buying or selling for just this season. I mentioned it at the top of, of the pod where the Raptors have to look at Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. and decide if that is, if this is a core that they want to keep together long-term. And in my opinion, you cannot bet on this core until you give them the pieces around them to actually fully maximize them, right? Like in the same way, you need to make sure that DeMar with, uh, you know, a 3 and D wing right next to him still doesn't work. You need to try that out with Pascal. And How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fred, because it's only fair to sort of give them those same opportunities that you gave to Kyle and Damar. And to me, you couldn't really say that this core is a failure until you gave them a center and until you gave them some, I think some playmaking um, off yeah. the bench matters as well and some more shooting on the team too. So to me, it's like you need to truly believe that this core doesn't make sense together before you tear it down. It's not fair to not give them that leeway. It's not fair to give them that to not give them that rope and then try to decide if you want to pay Fred his next contract, which, spoiler alert, I think they should. Um, and so to me, it just like I, I always sort of saw it in that way. It's like it's the same sort of rope that was given to Kyle and Damar, but it's just 23 or 24 games or however many games from the trade deadline it was um, for for Jakob Pertl. And also, like, there's been a lot, and I think I've talked about this on here as well, but there's been a lot of talk about, like, well, it's a first-round pick, and you don't know, like, maybe you blow this core up. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it doesn't make sense. And it's not really hard to course correct, right? Like, it's not really, we saw what the packages were for OG and Anobi. We know what the packages are for, like, a Pascal Siakam. If, in the end, you say, actually, this team does not work, we gave them their runway, we put all of the pieces around them, and it has not paid off. You're like these are not bad contracts to trade to trade. These are not difficult pieces to move. And so a 2024 pick, which you know by all accounts right now is a pick to trade, <laughs> based off of what uh, experts are saying, is fine. I think it's a low risk move. 
And in terms of selling, Masai's never really done that at the deadline. He's only ever added pieces to his team because, as he says, 29 losers at the end of the season, much easier to assess and make deals then. Um, It's always fun to sort of rant about why this team should stay together because I think it's better to be a little bit more optimistic about this team. I think there's reason to be, and you mentioned it, the talent. But there's also reason to um, worry about this team. (laughs) And my biggest worry is the bench. I think you said at the top that a couple of things that you said that I want to bring up here. First thing is that there aren't very many in today's NBA. Bench players are not um, specialists in one area. They have to sort of be good um, across the board. The Raptors are one of those teams where you struggle to look at the bench and see well-rounded players. You start to see very much specialists in each category. And I think that we've seen them, we've seen that hurt them um, with a lot of the bench play this season. Do you have any thoughts about something like that? No, that's a good point. (laughs) I'll definitely give you that. I will say though, their bench, especially now that they made this change in the starting lineup, their bench is super young. When you look at Precious, Gary, they're both 23. Coloco, he's like 21. Um, you know, sometimes Jeff Doughton, sometimes Malachi plays. Like their bench is extremely young. So I agree. They are right now very one-dimensional players. The front office, like we just talked about, is much more patient than the fan base. So I do think if you ask them, they would say, yes, they are, but two years from now, they're not gonna be, and that's when we want to contend. Like The idea is that eventually the bench will be a little bit more versatile just just through those guys growing. And and I definitely believe with like a Chua, for example, this is about the worst we've ever seen him play. He's going to be better than this. Um, He's going to develop. We've seen him develop over the last year. And like we can talk about all these solutions to fix the bench and we will. But at the end of the day, Gary and Precious are better players than this. They have to play better. This is not a Nick Nurse issue. It's like these two guys chose the worst time of this season to start slumping they need to get their act together and just play better yeah yeah and it's 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 brutal when (laughs) one is your offensive specialist off the bench and the other is the defensive specialist and both of them decide uh to not do the one thing that you know we need them for but it's okay um, because the starters look isn't okay because it's lost them tons of games. I mean, I, I saw this tweet from you that like shocked me, and you mentioned it right now with the Raptors having what what was it? The starters have an offensive rating of 123, uh, which yeah. would just be absolutely phenomenal. Um, but also this tweet, which I thought was really, really interesting, is um Aaron Rose uh said that the Raptors have a net rating, had a net rating of plus 0.7 prior to the trade deadline. And then in the 12 games since the trade deadline, they have a net rating of minus 2.6. So I think we all look at this team and say, they're better. They're a better team with Jakob Pertl. However, the numbers bear that they're not. And that's not because of the starting lineup, because you responded with a stat that I thought was really staggering, saying uh, the starting lineup is plus 13.7 per 100 possessions. So they um, are actually absolutely destroying teams, and it's the bench. What do you... like? I know a lot of what we've talked about is just sort of the long term, right? This is not about this season for the Raptors, but it's about what this looks like next year and the year after. But my question to you is, for the remaining however many games and possibly the play-in, what do you think needs to change in order for this to not be the case? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any easy solutions because anything I'm going to say, I think, is kind of plugging one hole and opening another. But that doesn't mean that it won't help improve the team. Um 
So I came out of practice today and Nick Nurse alluded to the fact that Coloco's back with the team. He he said he might play backup center minutes. He alluded to Precious playing on the wing more. So I do think we might see Coloco and Precious coming off the bench together, which would obviously help the rim protection. Precious just hasn't been good at the five uh, in these bench units all season because I think a big problem is with the bench, there's not a lot of point of attack defenders on it. And so it's kind of free reign to the rim and you're asking Precious to plug all these holes and he just isn't at a point in his career where he can do that. So everyone is asking for Coloco to play and Precious to play at the four. I'm, I actually don't agree with that sentiment in the sense that I would like to see it, but I just, I'm not there with Coloco right now. I don't know if he's ready for the NBA right now. I've seen him a lot. I've seen him in the G league a lot. I just think he needs a little bit more seasoning. Um, so I, I think they'll try that, but Coloco might get into foul trouble. He, he, he's just not a perfect player yet. What I want to see personally is, and it might sound radical, but it's not that radical. Like I want Precious to play more with the starters and Pirtle to play more with the bench. Obviously you don't start Precious. You don't reward him for playing bad or all that, but hook Pirtle earlier, get Precious in there with the starters. He's been really successful with the starters all season. Again, I think it's because yeah. you have Fred and OG and, and these guys are great point of attack defenders and it's just a lot less holes to cover up. And then let Pirtle play with these bench lineups where he actually can be that savior on the back end. Um, the problem, obviously, is that that starting lineup has killed and it's nice to get them as many yeah. minutes as possible together. But um, that's kind of the best solution I can think of because that's interesting. It would, it would solve a lot of the bench's defensive problems. <laughs> I, in my head, like one of my favorite things has just been the Fred Van Vliet Jakob Hurdle connection. And I'm like, the pick and roll game has been insane. <laughs> I'm like, can Gary do <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Gary just not pass yeah. up a shot. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's a good point. <laughs> so, I, I think Yak wouldn't be, it, it's a good point. Like Yak wouldn't be unlocked with the bench the same way he is with the starters, but and maybe that means. Offense. Yeah, maybe that means you have to play Doughton at the point guard with the bench and they could have a pick and roll game. Maybe Barnes or, and, or Malachi. Uh, I mean, that hasn't that been and we're talking about especially I, I love the laugh yeah. at the mention of playing Malachi Flynn. Yeah. But I mean, if we are talking about someone who is, you know, uh, apparently like a one specialist type of guy, it yeah. has been the pick and roll game. And so if you actually get him a big who can roll and who can catch. Maybe you can unlock something there with the bench lineups. It's yeah. don't, don't throw things at the wall at this point. <laughs> no, I only laugh because I don't think Nick Durst is doing that. I don't, I don't think, think he has either. any trust with Malachi. <laughs> but maybe Barnes and Pirtle can have some of yeah. that pick and roll chemistry off the bench. I, I just think you need to shelter Precious a little bit more than Nick is right now. And whether that's playing him with Coloco or playing him with the starters, um, those those two things have both worked really well this season precious playing with the bench groups hasn't so yeah i'm just looking for answers and and that's i think that's what sort of everyone is doing including the coaching staff um including the players it feels like right now but hopefully hopefully a lot of these guys can just sort of pick it up i agree with you i think in terms of like gary Trent jr you just gotta hit your shots down and for precious I mean, we've seen it. He does play better with the starters, and you mentioned it, having OG. And Fred Van Vliet, as your point of attack defenders, is much better than whatever exists um, off the bench. So I completely agree with you there. And I think I think just sort of thinking about this conversation, I think we touched on a lot of really big things, which is I think the, the overall biggest thing is does this team make sense 
in a modern NBA, considering a couple like a year ago, I would have said, this is the modern NBA. This is what you want. You want big wings who can do absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see the limitations. Do you think that my assessment a year ago is correct? Or do you think we've, we've learned maybe that this is not what a modern NBA looks like and that you actually just <laughs> positions exist for a reason <laughs> and players exist for a reason and shooting is necessary. And maybe this idea that you have just a bunch of Giannis Atentacubo sized players on the court won't actually work. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like a year ago, I, I would have said the same thing. And, yeah. and we touched on this at the beginning too, is that a year ago, we didn't know that the NBA was going to trend this far yeah. in the direction of offense and in yeah. the direction of every touch is a call yeah. and where physicality isn't rewarded. Now, like there's a real op- possibility that the NBA does adjust and doesn't want it to just be an offensive league and creates rules that favor the defense. And if that's the case, which I think it very well could be in the next few years, because yeah. I don't think they're just going to let it run away like with this offensive explosion 175 to 176 in that a game. game was that game was <laughs> thrilling honestly it was, it was thrilling fun. it was fun it, it is that's the weird thing like offense is thrilling so but what isn't thrilling is like touch fouls on yeah. or sweep throughs or like these foul bait shots like that is really tough to watch so i think the nba has to take some of that stuff away i think that will favor teams like the raptors if they do incentivize defense um, but as currently constructed, just to like give you an answer, I don't think this team is very modern. Um, and the biggest reason is they're shooting. Like they yeah. just don't have enough shooting. And every time you ask Nick about it, the lack of spacing, he says, well, I believe in Barnes. I believe in Siakam. These guys got to take shots. Maybe one day Barnes will be a shooter. Yeah. But like as of right now, that's just not the solution. No matter how many times Nick Nurse says it. I think they need a more creative offense in the sense that you have these three really good playmakers in the front court. All of them are above average playmakers, but they're not good shooters. So how do you unlock that? I think it has to be a little bit more creative. Um, But ultimately they just need to bring in more shooting. And then like, it's like what you said about like, you can't, say much about this core until they get a center okay my next thing is they need to get more shooting before you can really say is this team like gonna succeed that's Um, fair yeah so i don't have a good answer like i said like like, honestly i spring that on you i don't think i have a good answer to that either but it's it's a fun thought exercise or experiment to just think about what makes sense in a modern NBA. Speaking yeah. of um, the most modern, probably NBA player is Nikola Jokic and the Raptors will be facing him up next after a heartbreaker in Denver. Now you lose the altitude. It is at home. Maybe you can get some home cooking with the refs, but probably not. Um, what are you looking at for that game tomorrow night in Toronto? They're back home. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I've uh That was I'm, not an excited yeah. I'm once again dead inside. That's what I was going to say. Like I don't care about wins and losses anymore for the rest of the season. It doesn't really matter to me. Um but I think the most interesting thing to be looking for that I've been looking at over the last few games and that I will keep looking for is what happens at the end of games because mm. right now Scotty is really running the show in the last 5 minutes of games and that's a, a pretty big difference from the beginning of the season when it was all Pascal and they were living and dying in Pascal's hands. And Pascal is just kind of standing in the corner at the end of these games. They're not utilizing him at all. 
Um, they need to figure out a way to maybe use both of them. I, I don't know what the solution is, but right now it's been interesting to see Scotty basically take the wheel at the end of the games and Pascal being pushed out of the offense. And I, I'm just curious if that's going to continue to be the case down the stretch of the season. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. I'm hoping to have Pascal Propaganda, the very own, um, on the pod later on this week to really talk about Pascal and how that's a a trend that I've been noticing as well. And so something that I'm really interested in in, and sort of exploring further. And I'm glad that you brought that up because it is an interesting wrinkle to what this team looks like to close out games. And quite frankly, it hasn't worked out. Yeah, I just want to say on, on the whole modern NBA question, like, yeah, these are good podcast questions oh, and, yeah. and everything. But I just like the margins are always smaller than we think. So realistically, I, like the answer to that question isn't as important as like, can they find out ways to win games? And yeah. they just haven't this season. But I every game's been close. Like that doesn't mean they're a terrible team. It just means that some tweaks need to be made. And and I think they're closer than we give them credit for. I know you're completely right. I mean, if <laughs> the, the margin for all of this is incredibly small because in the NBA, we focus on results. Like we would have a completely different conversation if it were the Miami Heat who won because like in the final seconds against the Boston Celtics and made it to the finals. And we're talking about a team that has two guys who are their two main players who can't shoot at all. And what that sort of means for an NBA uh, offense when mm-hmm. everyone around them is we're talking about specialty guys. I mean, what is Duncan Robinson, if not just sort of a, a one trick oh, yeah. pony there and some of the guys that they have in Miami, I think the team build just sort of matters on, you know, who wins and who loses at the end of the day. And sometimes it's as much as, you know, was it Tyler Hero's foot on the line or whatever it was that decided that series? Um, but yeah, so things come down to the very end. Uh, this podcast has come down to its very end. Thank you so much, Oren, for joining me. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. Hopefully, we've made the Raptors kind of crappy season right now seem a little bit better because it's not just about this year. It's about what this team looks like moving forward and hopefully broader, sunnier days on the horizon. Is that a saying? Amen. We'll run with it. Thank you, Oren, and thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me.